This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Alright, happy Sabbath everyone. Yeah, you know, it's the first time I preach twice in one day. <laughs> it's the first time I preach twice in one day. That's okay, I don't, um, I don't dislike it. I don't dislike it. It's so good. It's even better the second time. <laughs> well, it's good to be here with you guys. As you heard Garvan say, or Garvan or Mr. Marsh, as some call him, I am your new associate pastor. And, uh... I thank God for that. I am very happy to be here. It's been a long time coming. Seven years in exile from my home <laughs> to be back here with you guys. And uh, I, I said this in the first service, and I'll say it again, and I mean it just as much. And it's that you know I look at all your faces, and I, I just can't wait to to get to know all of you and and really become a part of this family and serve with you and you know further the work of God with you guys. And that goes out for every one of you, every one of you. Um, if after the service, um, if, you, if you'd like, feel free to talk to me and say hello. And I'm a nice guy, so it should, <laughs> should go, should go fine, should go fine. But um, before, before we start, let's have a word of prayer, then we'll get into the word. Lord, I, I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart that I've been placed here to, to serve these good people in your, in your holy mission. I ask now as I, as I give them your message that you get rid of anything that is human in me. Delete anything that I might do or might have done to spoil whatever message you have for them. Open their ears so that they can hear what the Spirit has to say and apply it in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the title of the sermon, they're going to put it up there now in a second. The title of the sermon is An Immigrant Story. It's an immigrant story. And the theme, so that you guys can keep it in mind as I talk, the theme is New Beginnings. There's several reasons why I picked this, and it's because today is a new beginning for me, as it is for you, right? It's the beginning of a new relationship between you and I and all these wonderful people. It's, it's a new day. But at the same time, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of perspective as to where I come from, and I guess I don't come from there, but... Uh, I guess it's extended down to me. But uh, the, there's a story of my family. See, my family, the ones that you saw up here, my mom and my father and even my sister, they came from Cuba a long time ago. Not too long, right, Lily? <laughs> Lily's my sister. Um, not too long. But they came from Cuba. They're immigrants. And for them, it was a, an extremely new beginning, you can imagine. And it was a fairly interesting story that they had, but I wanted to compare that story 
to the story of another immigrant that we find in the Bible. I guess you could say the Bible's first real immigrant is Abraham. Abraham. So today, we're going to talk about the story of Abraham, and we're going to see if we can discover some principles in his story that can help us make the right decision in this new beginning. So moving into it, I want to ask you a question to test your mental agility. <laughs> when I say the words, new beginning, what are the first three words that come to your mind? When I say new beginning, just sama. Mercy. Mercy. Challenge. Okay. Did you cheat? Okay. You weren't here for service, were you? Hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Anyone else? Starting over. Fear. Fear. Yeah. Fear is a big one. Yeah. What? what? No. Okay. Unknown. All right. Well, challenge is one of them. But the first three words that I came up with were ending, ending. Every new beginning is an ending to what came before. The second one is challenge. Every new beginning is a challenge, and I'm sure everybody has experienced that at some point in their life. And finally, every new beginning is an opportunity. Every new beginning is an opportunity. These are the three things that every single new beginning has. You can't think of a beginning that doesn't have these three things. It's an ending, a challenge, and an opportunity. And sometimes they're all three things in one, really, right? And we see that in Abraham's story. So we're going to go to the book of Genesis. You can go to chapter 12 if you want to come with me. They'll put it on the screen too, so you should be able to read along. But we're going to go to chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 1 and see if you can spot the ending, the challenge, and the opportunity here in these verses. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, now some of you might be wondering, I thought you were talking about Abraham, this is Abram. For those of you who do not know, spoiler alert, Abram gets his name changed, okay? Abram is Abraham, it's the same guy. So it says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. That's what, that's the ending. You're going to end the life that you have here, and you're going to go there. End here, and we're going to go there. And that in itself is already the challenge, too. As you can imagine, uproot your life and go here. Go to the land that I will show you. The next verse. And I will make, you, make of you a great nation. And there we see the opportunity. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's quite a blessing he gave him. Quite an opportunity, too. But first, he needed to leave where he was at. Now, why is understanding that a new beginning is an ending, why is that so important to understand? Because if we do not understand that the past has ended, then we cannot move forward. That's why it's so important. See, but people don't think about that. Sometimes people want to change their lives, but they stick to the same old habits. 
Oh, I heard a laugh back there. Uh-oh. That's true. Sometimes we want to be holy, but we keep doing the unholy things. And I'm sure that everybody here, when, when you came to Christ at some point, there were some things you might have had to leave behind. Maybe there are some things that we're struggling to leave behind. But in order for us to succeed and to head forward, we have to end the things that hold us back. It's very important to keep in mind. What happens if we don't do that? Can anyone guess? We get comfortable. And being comfortable is quite possibly the most dangerous thing that can happen to a person. Being comfortable is the most dangerous thing that can happen to a person. Because when you are comfortable, you do not feel the need to grow. I had a teacher at Southern. Her name was Nicole Parker. And she used to say that if you were not growing, you were dying. If you are not growing, you are dying. And when you are comfortable, you will not grow. Therefore, you will what? Die. Is that important? And did you know that this happened to Abraham? You see, a lot of people like to think that in Genesis 12, when God says, Abraham, go to the land that I will show you, that it was a new land that Abraham had never heard about. That is not true. That's not what the Bible says. Did you know that? That's not what it says. Abraham knew about Canaan. Abraham knew about that. And it says it in Genesis 11. That's what we're going to read right now. Genesis 11, verses, uh, verse 31. It says, Terah took Abram. Terah is Abraham's father, by the way. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur. So that's where Abraham started, in Ur, in the city of Ur. So they, they went together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. Did you read that? Terah and Abraham and his father, they were on their way to Canaan already, even before God told them about that. They were on their way. But what happened? But when they came to Haran, they settled there. When they came to Haran, they settled there. And I understand it. I had the opportunity to go to Haran. I've been to Haran, okay? This Haran, the biblical Haran. It's in Turkey. And it is blazing hot. <laughs> it is blazing hot in Haran. You go there, and the atmosphere just burns you, just crushes you. But the nice thing about Haran is that if you go there, I don't know if, if they lived in these houses at that time, but at least if you go there now, they have these things called beehive houses. And what they are, these little, these little like uh, dirt huts. If you guys have seen, if you guys have seen Star Wars, like the old Star Wars, like in the, in the first, in the first movie, like they had, they live in these little huts. It's like that, except the top, the roof is actually a cone. So it looks like a beehive. And so the whole house is just a bunch of these little cones connected. That's their whole house. But the, the reason they do this is because the cone creates a form of natural air conditioning. So it can be 110 degrees outside, but inside the hut, 
70 degrees. Yeah, 70 degrees, cool, it's very cool. At the time, if you look at a map, Haran is part of the Fertile Crescent. Even now, it still is. So Haran is actually a very fertile place. It's kind of like an oasis. So I don't have the map up here, but what probably happened was Abraham and Terah, they say, we're going we're gonna to pack up, we're going to go to Canaan, we're going to go to this wonderful land. And they start their journey, but halfway through, the heat gets to them. They say, man, Abraham, this sucks. This really sucks. And they see this beautiful river with all these crops, and they see the little beehive houses, and they step in to get some, some drink. Over there, they drink yogurt. I don't know if they did it back then, but yeah, they, they have like a yogurt drink to keep them cool. And they drink, and they were like, you know, Abram, I like this. We're going to stay here. And how many times have we done that in our own spiritual lives? How many times has God been calling you to something, and you did not take it because you were comfortable? How many times, it's happened to me too, okay? It's happened to me too. It's happened to me plenty of times. How many times have you been in bed on Saturday morning and you say, this is a good bed? (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) Yeah? This is a really nice bed. How many times has God been wanting to bless you and the people around you And you were just too comfortable to do it. That's why it's so important to understand when things have to end. We have to be able to say, my old life is done. And my new life begins now. My old life is done and my new one begins now. My sin is done. It's at the foot of the cross. And now I'm a new creature in Christ. Now God has a purpose for me and I have to go. I have to do it. That's why it's so important. Going to the story of my parents now. I don't remember the year, but it was some time ago. My parents were living in Cuba. My sister was living with them. You were five years old. She was five years old. And at the time, my grandma was there too. And for those of you that might not know, Cuba is a communist country. It's a very oppressive country, especially at the time. It was, uh, it was not easy to live there, especially as a Christian. So my mother, my father, my sister, they're Adventists. My mom can't study medicine because she's Adventist. And Cuba's an atheist state. So you're not allowed, really, to have religion. Like, they know it exists, and they kind of leave it alone. But in terms of government and school, that's not a lot. And so you're living in this oppressive country where there are no opportunities. People are starving in the streets. Everybody's poor. Nobody can afford anything. You got nowhere to go. And they decide, and apparently, according to my mom, it was my, it was my grandma's idea. They say, we are going to America. At the time, you might not know this, and even now, you're not allowed to leave Cuba, especially not to the U.S., especially not to the U.S. People were dying trying to get here. There are videos. It's a little dark, but there, there are videos of, of the government dropping sandbags from helicopters and the refugees trying to leave Cuba. It was a very dangerous game that they played. Very dangerous. But they had a dream. 
They felt that God was calling them. And when God calls you, you got to go. When God calls you, you got to go. It's just that simple. Now we move on to the challenge. Every opportunity or every new beginning has a challenge. And sometimes we think of that as a bad thing. But let me tell you, the challenge is necessary. The challenges will prepare you for further opportunities. Challenges are important. People need to struggle. When we get to heaven, we don't need to struggle anymore. But right now, we need to struggle. Right now, we have to struggle. And maybe you're going through something. But let me tell you, you're not alone. And you're certainly not the first one to struggle. In Abraham's story, there was a lot of struggle. If we go back to Genesis, um, go to Genesis 12. Go to Genesis 12, 4 to 6. It says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old. He was 75 when he left, when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. So Abraham was very rich in Haran, okay? He was living the good life there. That's why he was so comfortable. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At the time, who was in the land? Canaanites. And Canaanites, my friends, they were no joke. Canaanites were no joke. They were so bad, in fact, that if you guys remember correctly, when it finally came time to enter the promised land, the Israelites were scared. It was only Joshua and his friend, whose name is now slipping my mind. Caleb, that's right. Joshua and Caleb, they were the only ones who had faith that God would give them this promised land. That's how scary the Canaanites were. They were giants. They were powerful people. They had these huge empires. You know, what is Abraham going to do? What is Abraham going to do against these giant people? Abraham, is, he was powerful. He had a, he had a family. He had a, a great number of servants. But you don't, you don't stand a chance against the Chaldeans. <laughs> Talk about a challenge. Talk about a challenge. Imagine if God told you, you know, Johnny, go to New York. And when you get to New York, you are going to be the mayor of New York. Like, what? That, that's what it was. He was saying, Johnny, go to New York because in New York, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the whole city. That's hard to believe, especially as some sheep herder. Those are the challenges we face, and we know that he faced challenges. Lot was attacked by the Chaldeans. And, I mean, we know that for years, for years and centuries down the line, these Canaanites were a thorn in the Israelite people's sides. So we weren't the only ones with challenges. But the Bible says something about challenges that I think is important to remember, and it's found in 1 Peter Go to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. And it says, For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, 
One endures what? Endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. The Bible says it is a good thing to suffer for God. Verse 20 says, for what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? Yeah, who cares? You did a bad thing, you got punished, who cares? Nobody respects that. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For this is what you have been called for because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example so that you might follow in his steps. Maybe some of you have been deceived. Maybe you've been told that the Christian life would be easy, but it's not, especially when you're doing it right. Why? Because we're not of this world. When we act for God, it will push against us. This is normal. And yet, how many of us, when we preach a sermon or give a Bible study or anything like that, when we get criticized, we say, you know what, I'm not going to work anymore. How many of us, when we get wounded by our own church members, we say, I give up. I give up on the church. I'm going to leave now. I'm going to go to another church. How many of us abandon things when things get hard? But I'm here to tell you what the Bible says. And the Bible says that that is what God called you for. And so it might be a little somber at the moment. But the reality is we are called to suffer. It is good to suffer for the work of God. That's what the Bible says. So it might be a little depressing. You might be thinking, okay, well, I mean, why are we doing this then? <laughs> you know? what, why, why are we suffering? And to speak on the challenge, I remember my mom had told me, I talked to my mom this week about the immigrant story to make sure I got it right. And she was telling me that to get out, there was seemingly no way. To get out of Cuba at that time, you needed a thousand American dollars, right? Or a thousand dollars per person. That's a family of four, that's four thousand dollars. My grandma had five hundred dollars for all four. <laughs> so, it's a hard bargain to drive. Uh, worse, worse yet, there were no boats. <laughs> Nobody had boats. Well, it just so happens that the front door neighbors, they found a boat. But granted, you might be thinking of a boat, like an actual boat. I'm talking about a metal tray that was rusted, had holes all over the place, and it had no motor. So it was a boat in like a philosophical sense. <laughs> it wasn't really a boat. It was a boat in a philosophical sense. But I'll tell you what. My grandma approaches these neighbors, and she says, I hear that you're going to escape. Let us come with you. And they look at her, and they say, all right, I mean, it's a 1000 bucks per person. And she says, I have 500 for everyone. <laughs> Quite the negotiator, my grandma. Well, through the grace of God, they took the money. 
They said, okay, you're going to come with us. And, you know, maybe it was a miracle. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, the Lord opened the way through that challenge. That was the first challenge. The second challenge is, how do we get this boat working? Okay. Well, this one was interesting. This one stuck with me. So to plug the holes, what they did was they, they cut pieces of tractor tires. Tractor tires are thick. And they put one on top and one on the bottom. And then they drilled through it and put a nut to keep it in place. That's how they plug these holes. The motor, <laughs> that didn't really exist. My father had to get bits from his work, and it was a car engine, right? It was a car engine that they used as a boater, as a, as a boat motor, okay? And they, they, they built it, and they put it on the boat the day of. They left in the middle of the night while it was raining, because that was when all the snitches were sleeping. <laughs> Guys, this was a dangerous game. Okay? This was a dangerous game. My sister was five years old. I don't know if you'd do that with a five-year-old. So they get the boat in the water. So there's like 20-something people in this raft. Where they, were all, they were all stuck like this. And they get the boat in the water, and they build the motor on the water. And they sail off. They sailed for like, I think it was like a day or two. They get picked up by the American Coast Guard, taken to Guantanamo, spent like about a week or so, two weeks, 11 days. And then they were taken to Panama in a refugee camp. And after a couple months there, they were sent to the U.S., Talk about challenges. Talk about challenges. So then you wonder, well, why did they do it? They did it because of the opportunities that America offered. They did it because they needed a place that they can grow. And that same reward, I mean, it was their bravery that I'm here today. I, I didn't do anything, okay? I was born. Like five years later. <laughs> yeah. I'm the, I'm the rich kid. <laughs> but if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have gone to Southern. I wouldn't have been in Andrews. I wouldn't have studied. I wouldn't have gone through all these things to be here with you today. And so you wonder... You wonder, in my parents' mind, did they ever think, we need to go to America so that we can have a kid, so that he can grow up, so that he can go be a pastor to this church? Probably not. Probably not. But that's the thing about the opportunities that God gives you. And it leads to my next point, that the opportunities that God gives you are even greater than you can fathom. They're even greater than you can imagine. And we have that example. We have that example in the story of Abraham. If we move to Genesis 22. Story in Genesis 22, this is the story. This is right after Abraham refused or, well, was willing to sacrifice Isaac, his only son. And God stops him. 
And in return, God says this to him. He says, this is Genesis 22, verses 15, by the way, starting in verse 15. And it says, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the aid of his enemies. And in your offspring, this is the kicker here, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Here's the thing about that blessing. I don't believe that Abraham understood how big of a blessing that was. Because in Abraham's mind, he was thinking, okay, I'm going to have a lot of kids. They're going to have a lot of kids. They're going to be the Israelites, and we're going to be a powerful nation. But that's not where Abraham's blessing ended. Did you know that you and I are benefiting from Abraham's blessing? Never. I don't believe it. It it might have been true. I don't know. I can't go back in time. But I don't believe that Abraham even fathomed that the Savior of the world would come through his line. The Savior of the world. What blessings does God want to give to you that you might not even be aware of? You see, we're worried right now about what we're going to eat, about what we're going to wear. We want the fancy cars. We want the fancy clothes. But God doesn't think like that. For God, that's chump chains. God is concerned about souls, souls for Christ. And he wants to use you to bring millions of people to God. That's what's important. And he says that, right? He says that in Matthew. He says, do not worry about what you will eat, what you will wear. All those things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not the only one who made this connection. If we read Galatians In the book of Galatians, um, chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, it says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Guys, when Abraham died in his life, he only really had two kids. And both of those kids hated each other. Could he have imagined that all of us here would be his sons and his daughters? Maybe there are things in your life that you're disappointed with and you don't see the big picture. You can't see centuries down the line. Taking the example I said before, maybe you stopped preaching. Maybe you stopped, uh, you know, teaching Bible school because all the kids, like there were no kids and like the one kid that was there was like drooling and sleeping the whole time. And you said, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is too much for me. But maybe something that you said to that kid stuck with him. Maybe years down the line, That little word that you said to him inspires him to be an evangelist. Maybe that evangelist preaches to thousands of people, brings them to Christ. And it started with you. Because you persevered. You persevered through the challenges. You took what God was giving you. Guys, as Christians, we are not responsible for the results. We're responsible for the work. That's just the sad truth. It's the sad truth. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard. But the results are not our job. 
It's the work. And so today, I want to challenge you all to think about what it is that God is calling you to do. Here's one last thing about new beginnings that is important to know. Every day is a new beginning. You don't have to wait for someone like me to be introduced. You don't have to wait for the new year. You don't have to wait for next month. You don't have to wait for the next trimester. You don't have to wait for anything. Today is a new beginning. Tomorrow is a new beginning. And you have the opportunity to seize it. So, again, I want to invite you. This is a a new beginning for me, for you, the start of a new relationship that hopefully lasts a very long time. And I want you to think now, what is God calling me to do? What more can I be doing? Doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your wealth, doesn't matter literally anything that you can think about. It doesn't matter. God has a plan for you. I might not know that plan, but I know that God has one. So I invite you. What does God have for you to do? And how can I start today? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I ask that you pour your blessing down on these good people. And I ask that you give them spiritual insight to understand what it is that you are calling them to do. Everyone here has a gift. Everyone here has a purpose that you have deemed for them. And maybe they're just a little lost. Maybe they're stuck on the challenges. Maybe they're stuck leaving things behind. But I know that you have the power to help them overcome all those things. Open the way for them. Give them the peace that surpasses all understanding. From here on out, help them take this opportunity into their hands and increase your kingdom beyond what they could ever imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask you all to stand. All right. We're all on our own journey and we're on the journey to heaven. And on the road, we're going to be met with all types of obstacles and things that just set us back. But by God's grace, we are going to keep on, right, towards the mark of the high calling, right? And we're going to make it there. Together, let us march to Zion so we can finally see our Savior.
favor this week in the name of Jesus amen God bless you as you go uh, you'll be ushered out remember if you have any special prayer needs our prayer team is willing to pray with you in our prayer room you can uh, you can meet uh, pastor pastor Kevin in the in the lobby area go ahead and give him a warm welcome this podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.